Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Hey, everybody knows Weber Grills. I've been using Weber Grills my whole life, and check it out. They got a pellet grill, the Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. Now, with a pellet grill, you can smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. You can go from low and slow, okay, on smoke boost mode, or crank this thing all the way to a heat sear at 600 degrees. It's got a full great sear zone, so you can put more food on the flame. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood pellet grill. The Volume. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, Go Low Pod. Back at it again. Just saw the RBC Heritage. Harbortown, Hilton Head. 4.15 million people watched. To put that into perspective, on Sunday, the Warriors and Kings, which best playoff series so far, did the same number. So uh, a lot of people watching golf. We will dive into it all. Patrick Cantlay in a slow play, as well as Rory McIlroy, no showing. And my guy from Sacramento, Spencer Levine winning a Corn Ferry tournament, baby. Uh, at Golopod, at Golopod is the easiest way to get in the podcast. Just fire in those DMs. At Golopod is my Instagram for this golf podcast. Fire in those DMs. Get here on the uh, get here on the show. Very very easy to do. Any golf question you have, actually going out to play golf here in a little bit. So at Golopod, fire in as well as uh, if you go to thevolume.com, we got Golo trucker hats. We got Golo polos, Adidas. They look good. Can't wait to start rocking mine. They're, they're on the way. So if you want some Golo merch, I got you. Thevolume.com. Search the merch and then just look at Golo. We got polos. We got hats. We got some stuff in the works too. You know, this this podcast was built with big things in mind. Uh, push some products. So go, go check it out. And do you want to go to a golf tournament? Do you want to get outside? See some sunshine. Get some vitamin D. You live around a Major League Baseball team? You want to go to a game? Want to go to a concert? A lot of concerts going on all over the country. I got you covered. The official ticketing app of this podcast, of Go Low, is Game Time. Go to your app store, download the Game Time app, and use the promo code JOHN. That's my name, J-O-H-N. Very easy to do. Save yourself 20 bucks. No big deal. These inflationary times, I got you, dog. Promo code JOHN. Save some money. Get out there. Go to an event. Go to a concert. Go to NHL. You big puck guy. Want to go see NHL playoffs? I got you covered. Game time. Promo code John. $20 off. Use it now. Let's start with uh, Patrick Cantlay and slow play, which is something that has kind of uh, taken over the golf stratosphere and the talking points. I've been in this business now, whether it was working in sports for teams or now talking about it my entire adult life. Since I graduated from Cal Poly, this is the only industry I've ever been in. Uh, it's really the only thing I can do, right? You know, and make make money off of and be successful. That's all I got. I got one pitch and I've done it. 
And as you're in this industry, the longer you are, you realize, you know, the nuance of the way this all works. And I look at most things, unlike a lot of media people, from a business perspective, dollars and cents, like that, that's what gets me going. How these leagues, how this podcast, how the whole thing, how we all are trying to generate money. And the whole point of pro sports, the reason why they get paid all this money, and it's not just high-level guys at the YMCA, is because of television. Without television, none of this shit would exist. None of it, right? They, they, they could not afford in modern-day times just to have, if it, TV did not exist, if you couldn't broadcast anything, and it was just the people showing up to pay for everything, it wouldn't pencil. Whether it's golf, whether it's basketball, whether it's baseball, couldn't work. Television changed the game, whatever, 35, 40, 50 years ago. And the contracts during the internet age have grown exponentially, right? Football is the best example. No sport does a better job of monetizing football or monetizing the, the, their sport than football. Why? Because there's the most people watching. They have the largest audience meaning they can sell it to the networks for the most amount of money, and then those networks sell advertising and make money off that. So it's, it's a trickle-down effect, right? That's why my football podcast does really well. Why? Because it has a massive audience of people that consume it. Golf, much more niche. Big passion of mine. I love it. And if you're listening to this, you probably love it. But it is nowhere near the size of like the Minnesota Vikings fan base, right? I mean, you see the numbers of these NFL games get when they are, uh, you know, the playoff games. It's, it's stupid. 30, 40 million people watch. That's in the first round. One thing that changed in golf was Tiger Woods. And that they were always, like, when I was a really young kid in the late 80s, early 90s, golf was, I mean, beyond niche. It, it was a rich guy country club sport. And Tiger broke the noise. Tiger made it universally kind of cool. And the PGA Tour that you see now, all these guys that are having success are, you know, trickle-down effects of idolizing Tiger and golf being cool. And now the tour, because Tiger is, you know, with injuries, never going to be a guy that's going to carry broadcast anymore. They have to do it as a unit. And we'll get into Rory in a little bit, but they've decided the way they can make money and get the best television ratings, because Tiger's not walking through that door consistently anymore, maybe twice, three times a year now with his bad leg is they need the top players that are still around to be in the events. And it's really important. And, and Rory and Rom and now Scotty Scheffler, you know, these guys, Jordan Spieth, move the needle. That They are really famous as a group. One individually can't carry you, but when you get multiple guys in the mix, it matters. And it's the reason that the tour is able to still sell for a lot of money to the television networks. Because they can still get two, three, four million people watching random events. Right, let alone the majors that they have nothing to do with. But that's the point when the best players play. We saw last week he got the best rating at the Masters in like five years. But Patrick Cantlay is a unique example of a player who is really good. He is what many would consider an ATM machine. Uh, I, I don't even know where he's ranked in the official golf world rankings, partly because I don't take it that seriously. But I think it's fair to say he is every bit in the mix consistently the last several years for being a top 10 player. He, he's he's elite. <laughs> but when it comes to television and his value for the tour, and he's a guy that consistently, uh, I, I would say, flirted with Liv 
And he's a guy now that, from all reports, always was very opinionated in these thoughts. Has a lot of he's an intelligent guy, UCLA guy, intellectual. Uh, but when it comes to making money for the tour, for being a great player and being someone who a lot of PJ Tour events, some majors is going to be in the mix, going to be on television. There is not a more replaceable top player than Patrick Cantlay. If I got rid of Patrick Cantlay tomorrow and just inserted Tom Kim or whoever, Ricky Fowler back into the mix, or now Jason Day, or whatever the player may be, it would not matter one iota. The tour could not afford to lose Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, John Rahm. Those guys' value to the tour and to the television networks is really, really high. It, it matters a lot. Patrick Cantlay's value to the tour, the television product, I'd argue is closer to irrelevant than powerful. And his slow play now, I didn't watch the Sunday RBC Live. I was out screwing around. You know, I, I just masters, you binge for four days. It, it can't just watch back to back to back every hour. Though I watched a lot of it on uh, on Saturday and some of it on Thursday and Friday. I went back and watched it because I, I basically get automatic DVR on my YouTube TV. Just I was going to watch basically the back nine of those guys. I, I couldn't last through a couple holes. He is he's unbearable to watch and he's not good enough and not important enough in my mind. First and foremost, I'm a consumer. I can't do it. I can't imagine being Jordan, being Matt Fitzpatrick last week, Brooks and Rom waiting behind him, Victor Hovland playing with him. And and listen, this guy refuses to admit he has a problem. Listen, I, I play fast. I obviously just run of the mill four or five handicap. I like fast players. You don't need to be lightning fast, but I tend to lean with Brooks and DJ and guy that keep a, a fast pace of play. Now, on a Sunday, in an elevated event, in a major, I get it. You got to take your time. Every shot matters. No different if me or you are playing. We had a $50 hole. I wouldn't expect it to be your fastest hole of the day. So I give you some leeway, but clearly he has jumped the shark in terms of his pace of play. His decision making, he just sits there and looks for fucking minutes on end. And then when he picks a club, a lot of guys, listen, some guys are slower decision makers than other. But usually once they pick the club, they let it rip. This guy is like watching, you know, syrup pour out of the bottle. It's like, come on, man. And he's just not important enough to the money-making apparatus that is television and the PGA Tour for this to continue without someone drawing a line in the sand. It has to end. It's not fair to his playing competition. It's not fair to us, the consumer, uh, because it's not a good watch. And I've heard a lot of people talk about it. Jordan sometimes, in a given situation, can take his time, right? Because he's talking with his, with Michael Greller. They're talking it out. But it's kind of entertaining. There is nothing, and I repeat nothing, about Patrick Cantlay as a consumer that is entertaining. Besides, at the end of his round, maybe a score. But ultimately, who cares? It's about individual shots. It's about watching you play nine holes, 18 holes, whatever. He's an awful watch. And his slow play now feels like he's getting slower by the week. The tour needs to do something. I don't have the answer, but it's just not okay. Because he's not important enough for it to keep letting it fly. The big story out of last week was Rory McIlroy not showing up. And, you know, for the golf nerds, you guys know the deal with these elevated events. A big part of it, like we just talked about, was all the top players getting together and playing. 
because that's where the needle moves. That includes Rom, Jordan, JT, Scotty. Those guys just all just played the Masters, right? You think John Rom was exhausted? He literally said Wednesday, it was like, I, I could barely think. But he actually was like, I gained momentum toward like Friday and Saturday. I gained energy. Jordan Spieth finished top three and easily could have won the tournament. Obviously, these guys are gassed. But part of being in a business partnership, and that's ultimately what these guys are involved in, is being in it together. And it's hard because not everyone, and this was always, I always thought this was funny in the NFL, when like uh, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers the last couple years have been like, let's get rid of OTAs. We do not need OTAs. Well, yeah, you guys don't need OTAs, but the six-round rookie guard who's trying to make the team sure as hell needs it. Like, you are not the majority of the league. You're an outlier. Just like the majority of golfers aren't the top 15 guys. Those guys are outliers. But those guys are well needed for this thing to work. And a huge part of it was like, you got to make sacrifices. The great part, listen, I've been a, I haven't had a W 2 job now for almost eight years. The best part about that is I can do whatever I want whenever I want. But the worst part about it is like, I got to get it done. If I don't generate revenue, I don't eat. If I don't kill, no food on the table. That's the way it works. And there are pluses and minuses with it. But like part of being a professional golfer forever was you picked your schedule. You got to do whatever you wanted to do. Besides, obviously, the majors and two or three can't miss tournaments. But for the most part, if you like playing at Harbor Town or if you didn't, you you pick and choose whether you want to play there. Right? Do you want to play Torrey Pines or is Torrey Pines not for you? Now with these elevated events with these big purses, everyone's got to show up. And kudos to everyone that showed up. John Rahm, who I think it's fair to say currently, uh, is the best player in the world. And is one of the best players we've seen of this generation. Just won the fucking Masters, is getting to a point, he's not Rory Rich, but he's got a lot of money. And the money is really flowing these last couple of years. He had to be like, I want to go home. But he didn't just not go home. He played the tournament where he was struggling. A reporter asked him if he thought about quitting during his Friday round, and he basically, it was an embarrassing question. And then on Sunday, he sat in the booth with Amanda and just commentated on the golf tournament. It was awesome. It was like kind of what Phil did a couple years ago. It it was really, really entertaining. And Jordan, who was right there in the mix, kind of, you know, at the Masters, showed up and competed to win. Same with Matt Fitzpatrick, same same with all these guys. And for Rory... And listen, me and Sobel will talk about it to not show up. And I get it. I, I thought it was unfair for him to have to carry the PGA Tour when that was Jay Monahan's job, right? Like, just like it's it's unfair for the Sacramento Kings and the Golden State Warriors to have to play this incredible series to try to save diminishing ratings for the National Basketball Association. But sometimes it's part of the deal. And $3 million to Rory, whatever. It doesn't mean he won't even notice it. So losing the pit money, he doesn't care. But clearly the other players, because part of being in a partnership is like, we all bring different things to the table, but when times like when we're all tired, we all got to be there together. And for Rory not to play, unless it's something really, really bad, which clearly he would communicate to some players, which didn't take place. So listen, it's going to be very, very difficult for this to sustain. I don't care how much money, because the more money you get, and listen, as a 1099 guy, Like when I'm making 50K, I'm scratching and clawing. You start paying me five, $10 million a year doing this stuff, I can pick and choose my stuff. 
And these guys are making buku bucks and the cash, the, the needle is just beyond like the 12th ranked player in the world these last couple of years looks at his bank account at the end of the season and probably sees, you know, $40 million over a couple of years when you factor in sponsor stuff, when you factor in tour winnings, when you factor in, I mean, it's just, it's a really, really good life. The pit money now. And I listen, I'm not defending Rory, but it'll be interesting if all these guys just consistently for the next three or four years just show up at everything when they don't want to show up. Because eventually, yeah, I got to play well. I can win a million dollars. Well, what does a million dollars mean to you when you look at your bank account and you see 75? And I know that JT and Xander, they said last week, like, listen, I don't care who you are. Three million is a lot of money. Yeah, I'm going to push back on that. Three million is a lot of money to most people listening and myself, 100%. But if you look in your bank account and you see hundreds of millions of dollars and growing assets and complete financial security, I don't think $3 million is a lot of money. It's just not. Not if you're super tired, not if you're exhausted. And I think we saw Rory, you know, show that, right? And I would say of Tiger and Phil, who are in a different stratosphere when it comes to the amount they've made playing golf, I'd put Rory in that second tier of this group the last, you know, 20 years. And that doesn't even include live money. He's got that type of money. So, yeah, I think the one question with Rory, and this is what I question, and a lot of people DM me over the uh, last couple of weeks, like how overrated is he? The one thing that makes me nervous about him going into this major season is like, Rom's mentally tough, man. That, that, that guy's wired like a football player. Scotty Scheffler has got some just kind of see it. You know, you watch him play, you're like, this guy's not fucking around. Sometimes Rory, it's like, you know, life's pretty good. Just kind of whatever. Like, bro, you missed the cut last week. To not show up, very, very disappointing. And last but not least, you know, this is pretty inside baseball here, but a couple years ago, I uh, where, where my brother plays in the Sacramento Davis area is called El Macero Country Club. And, you know, it's just blue collar country club, a lot of construction workers, a lot of farmers. And I we have a good buddy, a good family friend who's who's very close with Spencer Levine. And brings him out there a lot. And one day, I was go- we, I played with him. And I remember thinking, I've played enough now with high-level college guys and fringe pros. To know, like, listen, I've never played like John Rahm or Tony Finau or something. But it's pretty clear when you're playing with a guy like, this shit, I mean, this would work anywhere. And I remember watching Spencer a couple years ago, and he was basically out of it, right? He'd been off the PGA Tour since 16, 17. He was just fighting. He has this thing where the PGA Tour has a thing where if you make 150 cuts, you're vested uh, from a retirement plan. You get sponsors exemptions to get in the PGA Tour tournaments. He has 147. So he's three cuts made away from getting to that 150. And that was a huge... I remember him talking about that, something he aspired to do. And then over this last year, my buddy Scotty keeps playing with him a lot. He's like, yeah, I think he thinks he can really play. And he's like, I'm telling you, he looks good. And so I've been following his he Monday qualifies a lot. He's gotten to some PJ tour events. He Monday qualified last week to play in the corn Ferry event. So I'm following on the ESPN app corn Ferry, and he's, you know, he's playing pretty well. He's like top 15, top 20, top 10. And then on Sunday, he shoots 63 with no bogeys and he wins the freaking tournament and corn Ferry at the end of the year gives out 30 PJ tour cards. And with a win, it's very, you know, highly weighted toward the top. He's now an 11th on the, the corn fairy, you know, points list. I'm just telling you, uh, I know he's older and there are a lot of young studs on the corn fairy tour. This dude can play. 
He could play like when I was probably a sophomore in high school. I think he was a senior in high school. He was easy. There were three guys in Northern California when I was a kid. And this is before golf was cool. They were like, this guy's elite. It was Nick Watney, played on the, still playing on the PGA Tour. It was Ricky Barnes, and it was Spencer Levine. And all three of those guys have played a shitload of golf for a lot of money over the years. And this this dude, like, I, he's he's going to get to 150 cuts, but I think he's going to be heard from. He just, he's got it. I mean, the dude can just play. And there's a reason that all these pros always tell funny stories about him. And I also think he's an incredible story from a human standpoint of... This was a guy who's pretty famous for the cigarette smoking uh, pictures. Well, he doesn't smoke cigarettes anymore. He's also known pretty big drinker. I don't think he touched a drink in like seven, eight years. I remember being with him. I'm having drinks. He's drinking Diet Cokes and O'Doul's. Like the guy does, he cleaned up his life. He has children. He's an easy guy to root for. And the cool part about golf, unlike basketball, football, or baseball, you don't just like get cut or get they get rid of you in like 15 or 16 or 17. And then in 2023, start getting a pulse again in your late 30s to play professional golf and be able to do it. And that that's what makes this you know sport, if you want to call it that, pretty unique. But uh, awesome to watch Spencer win, and uh, you know I'm I'm one of his biggest fans. So keep an eye on him, and he, he's going to get to that 150 mark. I, I'd put big money on that. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Ready, set, griddle this grilling season. Get the Weber Slate Rust Resistant Griddle with a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned with food-safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box. With no use of coatings, you can use metal tools to flip, press, and scrape without worry. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. Everything rusts and nobody talks about it because they couldn't fix it until now. With Weber's new rust-resistant technology, your Weber will last for years. When used, our carbon steel griddle hardens and bonds the surface, reducing the ability for moisture to collect and rust to form. This griddle heats evenly edge-to-edge. It reaches up to 500 degrees. With the Weber Works Prep Cook and Store System, you can keep cooking and cleaning supplies handy, carry food and condiments from kitchen to the griddle, and even convert the side table into a prep station. Get fired up for your new Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of hand-cooked tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. 
Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their hand-cooked test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Back at it again with my main man, Jason Sobel. You can hear him every single day of the week. Sirius XM channel 92. I think he's recovered now from his uh, master serious house. Uh, two to four with, with the caddy, as well as find him on uh, the interweb writing about gambling. And he likes, um, you know, the slowest player in the history of, of pace and, and Xander Shoffley this weekend. Hard to not. They're defending champs at Zurich. So, well, what's up, bro? What's going on? Yeah, you already uh, blew my cover there. I like the favorites. I'm going to eat some chalk this week. It's going to taste awful, and I'm not looking forward to it whatsoever. Yeah, I think this is a uh, a good week if you love the PGA Tour like you and I and many people do. Just, you know, probably hang out with the fam. Uh, maybe go on a bike ride. This is the tournament. It felt like it's always been after a major, right? Just kind of a throwaway tournament. Now they, they double down, which I'm glad they did. Mm-hmm. And then just do this uh, feels like, you know, just playing with your buddies, which if I was the top players, which many did, I'd just go home and do that on my own. Uh, no, see, I would love this. If I'm on the PGA Tour, whether I'm a superstar or a journeyman or a rookie, I, this is my jam. This is like, hey, we're walking up to walk up music on the first tee. I got one of my buddies like we're playing. I didn't grow up playing golf. I grew up playing uh, baseball and soccer and basketball. And so I'm a team sport guy. I want to turn around when I make a putt and high five somebody who's not getting paid to high five me. I want to have a teammate there with me. And so I would be all in. I would love this event as a player, as a fan. I think it's cool as a gambler. Eh, it's kind of the weakest one out there, qu- quite frankly. And again, that's pretty much the reason why I'm eating chalk. Uh, I'm going for Tantley and Xander. The way I put it in my preview this week, John, essentially like, if you go play one-on-one against Giannis, well, you're going to get your ass kicked, but maybe like heave one over his hand at some point and it somehow hits the top of the backboard and bounces in. If you and I go play Giannis and I don't know, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic in two-on-two, it's going to be even worse. Like two superstars is going to, they're going to double up on two. Well, I, I don't know about you. I, I would say below average players for me. I, yeah, you, definitely you for me too. <laughs> uh, but two superstars, uh, that's even multiplying the differential between the talent levels. And so you put those two guys together and uh, I don't see how they're not there right at the top at the end of this thing. Yeah, well, uh, I, I'm with you. I mean, I don't know how you wouldn't bet against them. I, let's go back to last week because we talked about in my philosophy last week, which I'm not going to use anymore. He's like, oh, Harbor Town, take, you know, kind of a longer odds guy. When you get these elevated events and you get these big purses, I, I don't care if these guys just came off Augusta or they just came off the local Muni, th- they're going to try. And now we have pretty consistent evidence all season long, starting early in the season. You got Tory, you got Riv, you got TPC, you got obviously the players. Now this, it, the, the time of it doesn't matter. The cream is rising in all these tournaments. Yeah, so a few things here. First of all, I thought that a designated event the week after a major championship would be a bad idea. I figured, you know, the guys are going to be tired, and they were. A a lot of them were, even if they played well. Jordan Spieth lost in the playoff. He talked about being exhausted going into it. That said, as far as the business product element for the PGA Tour, it's not a bad idea 
to, as you said, double down the week after a major championship. Look, the PGA Tour doesn't own the the rights to the Masters. And so if you want to gain some momentum after all these maybe new fans have watched the Masters, we saw there were uh, record numbers watching the broadcast from Augusta National. And so uh, what's what better way to get people watching? People go, man, that was really fun. John Rahm, that dude's really good. I want to watch him. You don't have to wait three weeks to go watch him again. All of a sudden, he's on TV the very next week, and you can uh, you can double down on that momentum. So I, I didn't think it was a bad idea from a business perspective. Uh, the players that showed up, I know we'll get into that, the players that were there, they, they played hard, and I don't think it's a coincidence that two of the more hardworking guys out there were two of the guys at the end who were in that playoff in Fitzpatrick and Spieth. I mean, uh, Fitz is, look, I don't know him that well, but John, he, he is a golf nerd to the core. And I mean that in the best possible way. I mean, for anyone out there who plays the game and then goes out to the range after they play and works on their game and then goes and records their stats and then can't stop talking about their round and goes out the next day and does it all over again and then watches golf and watches videos on YouTube. Matt Fitzpatrick is your guy. That's the kind of guy that he is. He's obsessed with the game. Jordan Spieth is pretty obsessed with it himself. So uh, again, probably not a coincidence that those two guys out of everyone were the guys left standing at the end of this thing. My favorite Fitzpatrick story, I remember hearing a couple years ago on a podcast saying when he went to Northwestern, he thought he just got to play golf. He didn't realize he had to go to school. You know, after like the first quarter or first semester, he's like, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm not, I'm not going to school. I, I came here to, to swing the sticks. Well, speaking of everyone showing up, a huge part of these elevated events, right, is pooling all the top players to generate the money because they are what people want to watch, right? Mm -hmm. Now we can argue about Cantley where he's a needle mover and we'll get into him in a second. And obviously all these guys showed up. Jordan, Rob just won it, showed up and took pride in like, people were like, why are you, why don't you quit? He's like, I'm not going to quit. Jordan right. easily could have won the tournament. Xander, yeah. all these guys and Rory. And as of right now, we haven't heard anything. So I, I think it's fair to assume it's not something, you know, life threatening or someone sick or whatever. It was just fatigue. Uh, I don't see there's any way around it. And I get he spoke. He basically became the pseudo commissioner. But it sure seemed like those quotes, the guys were like, what the hell, man? So, first of all, I, I sort of want to reserve judgment until at some point we hear from Rory McIlroy. I assume that'll be in a few weeks when they get to Quail Hollow for the Wells Fargo Championship. Because you don't know what's going on, whether it's a family issue, whether, look, mental health uh is is a big issue in today's society he may have just said i i seriously needed a mental health break after missing the cut at the masters and i would the players though like xander and was it rom of uh, spoke out kind of like they did with i mean they know him pretty well yeah i don't know if they would have known that much but uh, look uh, that said and again i started the preamble with you know i'd like to hear from him but it's a really bad look it's it's a really, really bad look for a guy who has taken on a leadership role with the PGA Tour, a guy who's helped construct this schedule, a guy who's on board for everything, a guy who knows that you can skip one of these designated events, but not more without penalty, skip the first one of the year, then goes and skips this one. If I'm another player, if I'm John Rahm, especially, who just won the Masters and is like, well, I kind of have to go honor the commitment because... I, I'm supposed to go play, and all of a sudden, like Rory of all people is like, "Yeah, now nah, I'm just going to skip it." Boy, I I do not feel great about that. 
Um, again, I want to hear what Rory has to say about it, but it, it's a really, really bad look on his behalf. Yeah, and this is ultimately like in football, in basketball, in baseball, there's just a pretty strict set. The games are the games. You play, you show up. In golf, it's always kind of been unique, right? It's like kind of pick your schedule, and that's why it was a major change. And Rory, beside Phil and Tiger, is the third richest guy. So it's like he, you know, money losing three million dollars to him. Money's all relative. He's <laughs> not losing sleep over it. So it's you just wonder, like in the future, guys are tired or guys are tired, and they might just like screw it. You know, that's why I do have a lot of respect for Jordan and Rom. Like you said, Rom just won the thing, and Jordan yeah. was right there grinding his ass off, and then he comes back and he almost wins the thing the next week. Yeah, yeah, I. I, I don't quite understand. I mean, Rory played two fewer rounds than everybody else. He had oh, a chance to go home, home for three or four days after the Masters was over for him. Uh, he didn't have to go play in that uh, that crap on Saturday. He was done in the better part of the draw, even. So he was done on Friday early afternoon. Could have gone home for four, even five days until he went to Hilton Head. Again, I keep saying the same thing over and over. I, I'd like to hear from him and, and reserve judgment a little bit, but yeah, I, I don't quite get it. I don't understand what his thought process is. And again, I, I know you're rich. You got money. You don't need more money. Money doesn't rule everything around you. That said, you're Rory McIlroy, and you're essentially saying, I don't want to play Hilton Head, and I'll play I'll pay $3 million to not play golf this week at Hilton Head, which is like, that's, that's a weird take right there. Yeah, I, and the other big story... Listen, I'm a relatively fast player, and and, you know when I'm playing bad, it's not a good thing because I get going extra fast. And it's why I have a lot of respect for the the Kepkas, the DJs, who who just haul ass and play at the highest level. And and even I'd say you'd know better than me, but like watching Tiger on TV, once he picked the spot, he went right or Phil. Like it feels like Cantlay has jumped the shark on the whole thing, right? Obviously, if you're in a weird spot, you got to take some angles. You you get a rules official, but it's you hear these players. Once you pick the club, like w- what are we doing? And, and the waggles and the stepping off, and it's it's gotten pretty outrageous, Sobel. And it feels like you saw some of those shots of Fitzpatrick's caddy. I mean, playing with them. We saw last year or last week Hovland walking. This has to be one of the talking points of the players to each other, non Patrick Cantlay and Xander, right? Yeah, no doubt. And so I I have changed my tune on this over the years. I I used to tell people, look, this is not your Sunday morning foursome at the local Muni where you're, you know, you're a 14 handicap and you're looking at your putt from all directions because you got a $3 NASA on the line. They're playing for big money. They're playing for points. They're playing on TV. This is uh, their business. In fact, I, I like the the fact that guys take a little pride in it, and they're not just let me walk up to the ball and hit it. They're taking their time with it. I've changed my tune on that a little bit. Um, this is an entertainment product, and uh, quite frankly, they're losing a big part of the entertainment. And I didn't necessarily think so until I started watching Major League Baseball games over the first three or four weeks of the season, John, because I'm a baseball fan, and quite frankly, I've been turned off over the years, especially for a mid-April. Marlins Padres game where in the top of the third inning it's four to one and some guy steps out of the box three times and the pitcher goes to the rosin and the the at bat takes 15 minutes and it's like what are we doing like it's just it doesn't matter that much they've sped up those games and for me as a fan my interest levels way up 
The enjoyment level is way up. And I think golf needs to take a hard look at what baseball has done and say, we have to do the same thing. I don't know that golf is losing people necessarily because of slow play, but they're certainly not gaining fans. And I do think that it's just an overall sort of uh, speeding up of the entire process. And and this is not to single out Cantlay because I think he gets more of a spotlight on him because he is very good and he is playing on TV more than others. And he is in that spotlight, but uh, look, it's all got to be quicker. And I used to say, what's the difference if it's, 515 for a, a three-man group or 445, what's the big deal? All of a sudden, uh, I look at baseball, and I'm like, you know what? It is a big deal. It's about pacing. It's about keeping your interest level. And again, it's about being an entertainment product. I, I think they've lost a, a big part of that entertainment product. I, I saw a lot of people on social media this past week after I was writing about the pace of play, John, say, you know what? I gave up on the 15th hole. I just couldn't watch it anymore. I couldn't do it. I couldn't invest my time the way I wanted to. And, and that's a shame because it was a really good tournament. It was a really good ending. And if people won't watch because of guys like Patrick Cantlay taking too long, something needs to be done. Well, because the simple reality is one of the best players in the world. So more often than not, he's going to be shown on TV a lot on Saturday and Sunday. And he this year, he's consistently been in the mix now, right? So he's he's playing in major groups. You talk to caddies, people around the tour, like beside a penalty, right? Or putting you on the clock, which... Seems like nothing ever happens. Have you ever heard of a good idea? Like, a, you know, a, a clock? I mean, w- what could you really do beside actually enforce penalties? And it feels like a guy like Cantley would then snap. Yeah, a shot clock is... They've tried it in European events. I don't know that that's necessarily the answer. Because well, the, guy, the guy's something. not looking at it like the quarterback, right? Right, right. I, I don't even know how quite you do that. Uh, the AJGA... Uh, junior golf league uh, that so many young kids play, and they do essentially a soccer system, a yellow card, red card system. So you get one bad time, you essentially get a warning. You get the yellow card. You get a second bad time. You get the red card. You get docked a penalty stroke. And so I, I do think, look, don't hate there that. are rules in place. Unlike baseball, it's not like we need to create new rules. All we have to do is enforce the rules that are out there already and they don't enforce them. They've been there forever, and they don't enforce those rules. I Again, I, I thought before watching baseball games, I'm like, come on, all right, maybe you give a guy a one-strike penalty for not being in the batter's box when he's up in the bottom of the second inning. You're not going to do that in the bottom of the ninth with the bases loaded, and yet Major League Baseball has done that, and what's happened is guys know they better be in the box, and pitchers know they better pitch on time, or else they're going to suffer that penalty in a consequential situation. And so if Patrick Cantley is playing the 18th hole and he's standing over his shot and he's trying to figure out what to do and he's taking too long and he's tied for the lead and he gets docked a stroke, oh, well, you know what? You, you knew what to do. You knew what the time was and you didn't get it done in that time. And so I, I've come around on that, like I said, over the last little while that uh, something needs to be done. Well, you know, like when a you know lobbyist, it happens in Washington all the time. You know, you, you you take care of people so you don't get screwed. It feels a little bit like why Cantlay got on the pack, right? So he, you know, he didn't <laughs> want he didn't want any of that, and he's got to be one of the better players on the pack. You know, you start controlling, you know, the, Fair the point. Pack. You, you know where that thing's coming from. Uh, look, they they need to get the players to buy in too. Look, look at how much the PGA Tour has done. We talked about designated events already. PGA Tour has done so much over the past year, and granted, a lot of this has been in retaliation of Live. It's been done to keep up with Live, to 
win fans or at least keep fans from going over to live but you're you're marketing yourself as an entertainment product and that's what you're doing you're trying to improve the fan experience well if fans are watching for five hours and 15 minutes and they're falling asleep in their chairs and they're not going out to watch and they're turning off their tvs that's not a good fan experience. You need to change that part of it too. So it's not just about, hey, let's create a schedule where the best players play against each other more often during the year. If they're playing against each other and it's taken way too long, uh, it, it eliminates that fan enjoyment that you're trying to create anyway. It's unique because you're not, you're on separate teams basically as an individual, but y'all know each other, especially, you know, Spieth has been on Ryder Cup teams and President's Cup teams with them. But it gets to the point, like, you know, in all your years being around, have you ever seen anyone snap, like, oh, hurry the fuck up or let's go? I mean, it's a tough spot for a caddy, but I mean, the, you can tell the caddies get really frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit over the years. And certainly, uh, look. It's pretty rare. Uh, they're, they're guys who uh, maybe internally and not externally, they're like, oh, hey, hurry up. Let's go. We heard Brooks Kepka uh, talk about it during the Masters. They were playing in the final group right behind Patrick Cantlay is like John Rahm went to the bathroom seven times. We never fell out of place. Those are two pretty quick players. Patrick Cantlay, when asked about it, is like, yeah, well, you know, we were waiting on some tee boxes too. I'm like, oh, come on, man. I, I always, John, I always like it to traffic. He's like, yes, people. And you go, Hey, do you like traffic? Nah, hate traffic. Traffic's the worst. Are you, are you a fast driver? Do you always, you know, uh, make sure that you don't, you know, stop. If there's a guy changing a tire on the side of the road. Yep. Yep. That's me. You know, I go fast. Well, there's causing the traffic. Nobody thinks they're the culprit and everyone hates it. Let's do something about it. Uh, same thing in golf. Uh, no one thinks they're the culprit of slow play. And yet they're playing slowly. Somebody's got to be to blame. Hey, before we get out of here, li live Australia. Any, any thoughts this week? Zero. <laughs> Cam Smith. I like Cam Smith this week. How's that sound? <laughs> It'd be hard not to, you know, I saw Leishman was like 30 to one. I was like, you know, just, I, I last time I bet on Bryson DeChambeau it might be my last live bet of all time. So I, yeah, that, that's, that's a one to burn the ticket and get out of there. Did, did you hear anything at, at, when you were at Augusta about some buzz about Greg Norman coming down the home stretch or running live? That, that seems like something out there in the ether that. No, all, all I've heard is that some players may not be as happy with him as, um as they think uh or as greg thinks they are I i'm starting to hurt here also some some whispers that like you know harold varner the third saying like give it up guys you guys are talking about like hey we're gonna go grow the game around the world no, we're doing this because they're paying us a lot of money yeah and so this whole like live solidarity thing like hey guys we're gonna go change the world we're doing this together and we're all buddies and teammates and partners in this thing that's a little overblown. Look, not everybody on the PGA Tour sees eye to eye on all the issues. And I think we're starting to learn that not everybody on live sees eye to eye on everything as well, which is, I think, an interesting dynamic in itself. Well, so we'll have, have a good week. Uh, enjoy the links. If you're going to get out there and play, hang out with your family, do, do whatever you do and ha have a good one. Talk to you soon. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I'll have a lot of fun betting on a three to one favorite this week. Yeah. <laughs> Buckle up. Okay, let's bang out a couple questions. At Golopod, out, at Golopod is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. We're out of them. I need you guys firing in there. At Golopod, fire in there. Another question for the Golo mailbag. So we know the big-time power agents in football, baseball, and basketball, Rosenhaus, Rich Paul, France. Who are the power agents in golf? 
I have to believe that the big-time dudes are pretty much represented by the same two or three agents, much all pro sports. Uh, Scott Boris, my bad, confused with Todd France, Dax agents. Well, if you're Dax agent, you're a pretty big agent as well. I would say that uh, for a long time, Steinberg, just because he had Tiger Woods, right? So Mark Steinberg, who's basically Tiger Woods' right-hand man, has represented him for, who knows, a, a long, long time. Uh... I think he went independent, left CAA a long, you know, 20 years ago. And uh, with Tiger, I would say, no longer being the lead dog on the tour anymore. You know, Excel, who they represent, you know, basketball, definitely baseball and football players, I think has a lot of golfers. I, Justin Thomas, I think, I'm pretty sure Jordan Spieth, Fitzpatrick. Uh, I, I don't know who the individual agent is. That, that is a pretty good question for Sobel. I don't have the answers to this, but I, I'm with you. I would be stunned if they're really not three or four guys that represent the majority of players. And I would say golf, <laughs> you know, pretty good life to be an agent. In the NFL, it's kind of hard because you're constantly dealing with, oh, the coach is mad at me. Oh, we're underpaid. Oh, I'm injured. Oh, I got in trouble. Like, are, how many golf guys, like, I'm not saying we all got our own dramas, but relative to basketball, football, baseball, feels like it'd be easier, you know, just from an outside perspective. It, it feels like it would be a lot easier. Currently watching the RBC Heritage, Rom and especially Spieth clearly care about playing well. I was just wondering what you think the differences in preparation and effort in this event versus a major. It's not like they aren't trying to win. They clearly care. So what is really the difference? Well, I don't think there really is a difference because they just spent a month getting dialed in to get ready for the Masters. So their preparation to play high-level tournament golf is already in full go. They've played, especially those guys, the elevated events, the players. Like These guys have been pretty dialed now for a long, long time. So I, I back to like TPC Scottsdale, the Waste Management. I don't know if much changed. The only thing they had to manage was their energy. But in terms of their golf, in terms of uh, their golf swing, in terms of the way they're playing, I think they just probably relaxed on Monday, played the Pro-Am Wednesday, maybe some light practice Tuesday, and just let it rip. I mean, I, I don't think the preparation last week, it was clearly, I would imagine, much lighter on Monday and probably even Tuesday. But I think it's just keeping your swing dialed. Fitzpatrick played well at the at uh, at the Masters. Cantlay was playing well at the Masters. Rob just kind of ran out of juice. Spieth's playing obviously well. Xander's been playing well. So I I, I think the preparation is just lighter. You, you probably approach it more like a Thursday game in football. Just but there's still a lot of money on the line, and once you start playing, you just turn into a competitor. So yeah, I I, I have a lot of respect for those guys playing their ass off. I am playing the Dallas Cowboys golf course in a few weeks, and I'm wondering if I should walk or ride in a cart. It's apparently a very nice course, and I usually only play local Moonies. Should I walk to really get a full appreciation of the course, or should I ride and have a more luxurious laid back on the track? My handicap is between a 12 and 15. Thanks. This is a no-brainer answer for me. I was never the biggest Nick Faldo guy on television as the analyst, but I remember watching a YouTube special. It might have been even a television special before like the Masters or I can't remember exactly what it was, but he brought up a great point 
you get a different feel for a golf course on your feet. Now, obviously, he has someone carrying his bag, but get a push cart. I, I Listen, every the top courses I've ever played in my life, Olympic Club, uh, Cal Club in the Bay Area, I would say, what's an LACC where the U.S. Open is, are definitely... I played at Monterey Peninsula Country Club, but I, I rode in a cart. But I would say Olympic Club and LACC, I walked. And it was fucking awesome. So I, if I ever played Pebble Beach, I would 100% walk. Now, push cart, I'm cool with. But I, I think walking, if you're playing a nice course, if you're playing a venue, I, I walk TPC Scottsdale most days. People are always like, what are you doing? I'm like, come out here to get cardio, man. This is I'm not playing on the PGA Tour. I like walking the course. Now, I, I like it helps me stay in shape. I enjoy walking. Now, I'm not saying I won't ride if I'm hanging out, having beers, whatever. Like, I, I'm not opposed to carts. But you're playing a special course. If walking is an option, I think it's a no-brainer. I, I always think it's the move. You ever play like a major-style course? A lot of them make you walk, right? Like, you're not taking a cart, not like we're ever playing Augusta, but if you ever do, you're like... You're, you're walking, right? You play Olympic club, you're walking. When I play with some guys I know here at Mesa country club, you walk and it's awesome. I, I, I really enjoy it. So I, I always recommend walking. I think Faldo's right. There's an essence of golf. If you're truly taking it in now, if it's your own country club or Muni that you play all the time, then who cares? But like you're playing a, a, a special course, something, I don't know what the Dallas Cowboys golf course is. Imagine it doesn't suck. Say hello to Jerry. Uh, and enjoy yourself. Walk, tell, bring a cocktail with you. Have a good one. Fire in those DMs at Golopod, at Golopod. Have a good week. Uh, Zurich Championship, whatever. But uh, we got the PGA Championship right around the corner, so let's dial back in. Adios! Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Fire the grill and fire up the party. Get the Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. Smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. Go from low and slow on smoke boost mode at 180 degrees all the way to high heat sear at 600 degrees. It's got a full grate sear zone so you can put more food on the flame. Food will look as good as it tastes. This grill is hot in 15 minutes and cleanup is easy. You can also add a heavy-duty rotisserie or rust-resistant griddle insert to up your game. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood Pellet Grill.